Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hi, Paul Dennett here. Just letting you know that Cricket Unfiltered is now on Patreon. If you are a fan of our show and would like to support us with a few dollars each month, go to patreon.com slash cricketunfiltered or click the link in the show notes on your podcast app. Menas here, our Patreon supporters will also get some pretty cool bonus content. Paul will be doing a series of cricket history podcasts. And Menas will be doing long-form interviews with leading cricket personalities. All of these shows, plus other bonus features, will be available exclusively to our Patreon supporters. So if you want some great extra content, or if you just love the show and would like to help support us financially, please go to patreon.com slash cricketunfiltered. Coming to you from the Ultimo Studios, it's Cricket Unfiltered. I'm your announcer, Andrew Menzel, and joining me from the red corner, we have from Channel 10 Sports Department, the delightful, the charming, the amazing, Jaleesa Apps. (laughs) (laughs) Here she is. Straight from the news. I always wanted to do this and walk out as a boxer. You're gangster. Okay. And in the blue corner, coming to you from a cricket archive <laughs> near so you, weird. we have the big, the burly, the man with the booming voice, Paul Dennett. I watched a bit of county cricket during the weekend and it was really good. <laughs> Hi, everyone. <Wait, wait>, <laughs> oh, my God, I played again. <laughs> I, figured I, just, I just figured I haven't been, like, picking you guys Sorry. up enough lately. It's oh, all right, really? Jaleesa. Um, how are I you sh- both? 
Good. Um, thanks for the intro. I really wish um, you would have prepped me that you were going to do that because I would have picked out my walkout song. But anyway, Slim Shady will do. Yeah, I didn't really think that through. Well, you know. <laughs> it was pretty loose, this whole start of this show. Is this going to be the whole show? <laughs> it is going to be the whole show. Um, you two have to fight now, so. Oh, we don't like, <laughs> we don't like fighting. <laughs> we like fighting with you. <laughs> no, no fighting, just cricket chat. Just love. That's right, lots of cricket news for this episode of Cricket Unfiltered. We're going to wrap up all the cricket headlines. going to take a look at some of the cricket rankings. And then we're going to finish off with Can't Let It Go. Before we get into all that, I just want you, if you're listening right now and you like Cricket Daily, which is our new daily cricket show, we're releasing it on this podcast feed at the moment, but it's not going to be forever. So while you're hearing me talk right now, I want you to go into your phone if you want to. Subscribe to Cricket Daily uh, so you can get all the new episodes. They're coming out every day, 3 p.m., Sydney time. That was very demanding, and then you threw in it if you want to. <laughs> you know, I'd like to be polite. Have you done it yet? Get so, your phone. Have you done go it? Go on to switch off now. Cricket and Daily, get out. if you want to, and subscribe. It's your choice. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. No at all. pressure. But we will judge you if you don't. All right, well, let, let's get straight into the news. Uh, the, the first thing is that the Australian cricketers that have come back from the IPL have been let out of hotel quarantine, and there was emotional scenes shown on Australia's news um, networks. Jaleesa, you would have seen some of them with all the cricketers hugging their partners. Yeah, how nice. Yeah, it was nice, wasn't it? Love. So they're all um, back with their I families. I think Pat Cummins and Becky were the highlight. Yeah, definitely. And they're expecting their first child. So really exciting times for them. And I guess the big thing is now, which of these players will be willing to then get on a plane and go overseas again and have to face that quarantine again? Doesn't get any easier. Um, I think that everyone would have thought by now it would all be over, but it doesn't look like it's going to be ending anytime soon. Imagine if like, I hate to say this, but imagine if like three years we're still talking about yeah, so we'll get the under-30s vaccinated next week and hopefully it'll be <laughs> over. And, like, you just – because you did think this time last year you thought it's not going to go till this year, right? But it has, and so cricketers are still flying in and out. Yep, so they're out of quarantine, and let's see which of them will head to the West Indies in that white ball tour. You can understand if Pat Cummins doesn't, given that he does have a baby coming. Mm. A baby Cummins. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into the cricket headlines brought to you by you Piccolo were Podcast. You, said that then. you were like, whoa. <laughs> that was a bad, bad part, even for me. I thought it was a good one, though. <laughs> All right, the IPL will be played again this year, so it will resume in the UAE. Around 30 games are left, and they're going to need about a month to complete the rest of the IPL tournament. Well, they couldn't, they just couldn't complete it in India because of the monsoon season. Absolutely. They had no that's what we're all saying. But to move it to the UAE. Oh, just give it up. The just fact, write this year off. Well, the fact, <laughs> that was Saka. That's what they said. They have claimed that it's the monsoon that has meant that they have had to relocate it. They are not actually admitting that it's actually... It's, it's actually all the deaths. <laughs> it's all the coronavirus. It's actually the virus. Well, it's interesting. We spoke to Barat a few weeks ago about the links between the Indian government and the BCCI, and clearly this is a little bit of marketing spin from both the government and the BCCI. Let's not blame this on COVID. Let's just say it's going to be a bit wet. For the last five years, just about every year, they have played lots of cricket in India, international cricket in October 
and September. That there's been a couple of seasons where they've started the international season almost exactly when the IPL is about to start. The thing that I found disappointing is that so many news outlets just unquestioningly put the quotes up and don't offer any editorial on them. I haven't been checking every f- prominent Indian cricket type, so maybe some of them have criticised it, but a lot I haven't seen any they criticism of it. Um, and look, you know, if I was um, beholden to the BCCI for a living, I wouldn't criticise it either. If that, if that ever happens, I will go back and remove this part of the episode. I'll just say, you know, of course it's the monsoon. But it's um, <laughs> it's disappointing that we need a few more Malcolm Cons in India who, you know, aren't afraid to say, you know, call a spade a spade. Isn't this going to be, though, like, as if they're going to get everyone back who was there, there initially? They just won't. It'll all be different. It, like, why even bother? Just... Just I'll tell you why they're bothering about 400 million, million pounds. Okay, 400 million Aussie dollars. <laughs> yeah. 450 million Aussie dollars, 200 million pounds. Um, that's why they're doing it. But as you say, it's certainly not going to have the the international flavour that we expect of the IPL. Not that that really matters, but... It's not yeah. going to have the right players, probably. But it might have a feel-good factor for Indian fans who have gone through, you know, yeah. their, their country's gone through such a terrible time that they might say, okay... We're missing out on the real creme, creme de la creme of the international players, but that there'll be this feeling of, oh, look at these young Indian players who've come through. One or two, I'm sure, will perform brilliantly, getting an opportunity that they otherwise wouldn't have been able to get. So I think for 31 games, it won't matter if the, if the personnel is um, a little bit different. Uh, yeah, it's good that they're doing it. Yes, also they'll be allowed crowds of up to 50% of capacity because the rules in the UAE are that if you're vaccinated, you can go. And guess what? Unlike Australia, most of the UAE is already vaccinated so that um, they will be able to have crowds there, which I think is good for the IPL. It'll be interesting to see um, if any crowds turn up. I mean, um, they're not famous for their big crowds in the UAE. No, that's for sure. The other question is which of the Australian players will go over, which will be allowed to go over, uh, how will this affect the preparation for the Australian summer and the, the T20 World Cup for the Australian players? What do you think, Paul? Do you think it's like one more thing that they have to deal with which will just exhaust them before the Ashes or do you think it's good preparation for the World Cup? Well, I think if this was all there was, this would be great. It's the best preparation. If you're going to be playing against high-quality players in what are most likely going to be the same venues, it's fantastic preparation. But if you've gone to the West Indies beforehand, if you've gone to Bangladesh beforehand, if you've got the Ashes coming up after that, then you just start to look at wall-to-wall bubbles. And so, um, you know... I don't think there's any way that Australia's not going to go to the West Indies because that would be horrendous of us to do that to the West Indies. But maybe we've got to pick and choose and maybe some of our players who are going to go to the IPL need to pull out of the uh, out of the West Indies tour to sort of give themselves um, something to to, to look forward to other than just bubbles for for the foreseeable future. Ordinarily, I don't like um, prioritising or the IPL taking over anything else. But I think just given that it's COVID, everyone's going to have to be a little bit flexible. Yeah, definitely. And the preparation factor, that if you're going to be playing in the same venues, T20 cricket in the in the days leading up to it, that's the best preparation you can possibly get for it. True. That's right. Pat Cummins has said he's already not going back. Strong rumours that David Warner won't be going back for the second half. So we'll see a little bit of player yeah, movement. He wasn't even in the starting lineup. So I mean, <laughs> I wonder if there'll be a few players that normally wouldn't get an IPL gig that might be sought after by some franchises and yeah. therefore it's sort of way in for them to the IPL and you think, yeah, well... Yeah, potentially. That's an interesting point. I hadn't thought of that, yeah. 
that that's um, quite possible. We're seeing that with the Pakistan Super League in the, the fact that Usman Khawaj has gone over to that tournament, not normally someone you'd associate with franchise cricket. So keep an eye on that. As I suspected, the IPL will definitely continue. All right, the next big cricket headline, and I know the listeners love cricket administration talk, <laughs> but it's quite a big deal because – Cricket Australia have been dilly-dallying about appointing a chief executive since Kevin Roberts, Kevin Roberts left last year, and they've appointed Nick Hockley, who was the interim chief executive. I personally like him um, he, because uh, – have I told this story on the show before? I'm not sure if I had it in my mind. And, and or, No, you've never told it on the show. No, no, but – okay, so <laughs> – <laughs> no, I'm just you, assuming. I, yeah, okay. So, I don't think I've heard it either, but I think I've never. I don't recall you ever ta- telling a, 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 Nick a personal story. Nick Hockley anecdote on the show. Okay, same. So, um, you know, there was. I may have blocked it out. There was a moment. There was a time when the the Indian touring party was threatening not to go up to the Gabba to play the final test of last summer. Yes, and it was it was a very difficult situation. It was getting very sticky, and. And they, they weren't going to go at one stage. And then uh, during the Sydney test, I looked over from the media area and saw Nick Hockley, who was the acting CEO at the time, outside the bubble. So he was, you know, the way it was, there was controlled areas where only the players could go. He was just outside that and he was cajoling and negotiating with the Indian Touring Party about their concerns. And, and well, someone, no doubt he had to. They weren't yeah, going to. But what I'm saying is, it's so easy in that situation if you're the chief executive to send someone else to do that or send what? an email. But for him to actually himself, the chief executive, go down to the boundary and negotiate with the touring party, I think that shows good leadership. No, I'm sorry. I have to disagree with you. The bar's on the floor if that's good leadership. Like that was a debacle. Like that was – I think that yeah, the whole thing that happened at that point where India wouldn't go up in the – and were to refusing Gabba. to and Gabba and were refusing to go in the bubble. That was a debacle. He had to sort that out. And frankly, it, it went a little bit haywire, and no one really knew what was going on. And there was no, they're fine to go up. No, they're not fine to go. So up. you don't think that was good leadership for him no, what, to the, get out of what, his like silver? What that your CEO that your CEO got up and spoke to the touring party because they wouldn't go to the Gabba? Are you kidding? Uh, of course, I think he that's had good to talk leadership. To them. But who? What you think that it? Uh, that's what your CEO does. Like, that's your whole job. Why, but the bar's actually, on the floor. Oh, I just disagree completely. I think that shows great what? leadership. Sorry. I think many chief executives would have sent someone else to do that, that have sent an email to someone. They're not going to actually get out there and, you know, get to the boundary and, you know, cajole the team I, personally. Yeah, I've, yeah, wild. Well, um, can you please help me with this? Well, Jaleesa is being no, very rude about floor. this. The problem with this is that you've swapped our microphones this week, so I'm now sitting in the middle and I don't like to do this, but I actually am in the middle of you on this opinion. I know that's boring, <laughs> but um, oh. I, 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 I totally agree with both of you. <laughs> um, How the, can you totally agree with both of us? That's right. Yeah, Paul, that's not true. That's you're not telling true. porcupines. I totally, I totally disagree with both of you. Um, <laughs> no, no. I think that um, Jaleesa is right. He's getting credit for doing just his job. But I think Menes is right that I am sure that there would be some CEOs, probably not particularly great ones who would be wanting to hide from the the blowtorch of potentially having to deal with the real world um, the w- real world situation. So um, as boring as it is, and I apologise, listeners, I am in the middle on this one. Oh, well, I think it was great leadership. If that is the great leadership in that job, <laughs> sign me up. God, not, not negotiating broadcast. You are just bitter because you didn't get the job. Not negotiating broadcast deals, not getting teams over here, but getting up out of your seat. Take a round of applause. 
<laughs> Unbelievable. Wow. Well, <laughs> slam. Yeah, and I that. am bitter I didn't get the job. So am I. <laughs> well. Join me, Paul. <laughs> uh, Malcolm Conn writing in the Sydney Morning Herald made some very good points. There is a lot in front of Nick Hockley uh, negotiating with the players about uh, uh, their pay, uh, TV rights. Uh, so there's a lot for Nick Hockley to deal with in the next few years. So we'll really see what he's made of, Jaleesa. Oh, we will. Now, the question I've Until always I said. take over. <laughs> What his resume is impressive. He's worked in the London Olympics, a couple of different cricket World Cups with some success. But did they scour the earth for someone who's not from the cricketing fraternity? Yes. Did they look at someone who has I don't know taken the Portuguese soccer league from nowhere to brilliant to who's done something amazing somewhere and say let's let's get someone in who doesn't know anything about cricket? Because no, I don't think that would work. I give them to me for half an hour and I'll explain the rules. That's all you need to know. There's a, the, the notion that you need to be a cricket person is utter rubbish. That's bullshit. You get someone going, actually, you get someone from Portuguese football going, oh, why do they play three forms of cricket? Can't we just come up with yeah, a form? And let me give you 90 seconds to explain it. Then they'll go, oh, yeah. That's what it's happened with, with Stephen Stern. He, he didn't know anything about cricket, came over, they explained cricket to him, which is a very simple game, in five minutes and he understood it and he, he improved Duckworth Lewis Stern. People have this myth that cricket is complex. You all do much, much more complex things in your daily lives than a sport where the most difficult thing is the LBW law, which I could explain to a six-year-old in ten minutes with some slides. So you think sporting administration is very simple? That's no, your, no, 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 of course not. Well, no, you just said that. Nothing what I said. That, that deliberate mischaracterization is going to get you into trouble one day. You're going to go to... You're going to go to jail one day. <laughs> You're going to jail. <laughs> what I mean, I said this will be a boxing match Hell yeah. after. Hell yeah. <laughs> what I said was that the the the... The assumption that you need to know the the sport and have you know had forty seven years of the, as the secretary of the New South Wales Cricket Association or have have sort of cricket seeped in your blood, that's not true. You could get anyone with uh, qualified, um, intelligent, um, sporting uh, now who's done stuff with other leagues. The actual knowledge of the cricket side of things, I just think that's overstated. I think you could learn it in a couple of days. No, I disagree. I think you you need to to know the way. I'm going to have to respectfully sit in the middle of you. <laughs> oh, here we go, Jaleesa. <laughs> what do you think? Um, because I agree, Paul. That I think you sometimes there is a tendency in all sports, and it happens in rugby union a lot, that you have to go with someone in the circle, mm. and that's half the problem with the problems in the sport. Is it goes. You know, things happen in the circle. and But I think given cricket has so much passion behind it and so much history, I think you do have to understand the political dynamics a little bit. And that I don't know if that can really be taught. It has to be felt. I'd love to be <laughs> the one. Thank you for agreeing with me, Jaleesa. I'd love no, to be the I'm one. I'm in the middle. That, <laughs> that, would would be my, with me. that would be my dream job when they say, we have got. This guy who has – she has created the Scandinavian soccer league and turned it into something amazing. She's never heard of cricket. Paul, you're going to educate her on cricket starting from 1861. Um, that would be a great job. Well, actually, you could do that. But, but, but honestly, you could bring someone like that in, but not as the chief executive. A few years to learn the ropes, then they, they... – A few years to learn the LBW law. Oh, whatever. Okay. Um, all right, there, there was a quote from Malcolm Conn saying that he thinks the CEO needs to be – no, saying that Nick Hockley hasn't been a, a strong, decisive public figure. But I don't think you need a strong, decisive public figure as a CEO. I mean, that should be your, your on-field captain. 
You just no. need a superb administrator, don't you? you? No, you have I'm to have... I'm going to sit in the middle again here. You have to have a very strong... <laughs> I mean, to look at another sport at the moment... Bit of a Yes! yes. <laughs> look at what's happening in rugby league. Yeah, you want to play a revolt in cricket too? That, it, you know what, though? That wouldn't... The game wouldn't have got off the Good ground knowledge. last year. Your knowledge is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you've read a headline. He's read a headline. He's read a headline. Uh, He's read a headline. <laughs> The game, game and sport in general in Australia, I firmly believe wouldn't have got up last year except for Peter Volandi's digging his heels in. I think the what he's doing now is incredibly okay, brave. Cricket, you though, have cricket, to please. coming back to cricket just because you don't understand the words I'm saying, <laughs> others will. Because it's got such specific knowledge that you need that doesn't apply anywhere else. In but the coming, universe. but coming back to cricket, I think a hundred percent. You well in every in every administration, I think you need a strong, decisive figure. Who's sometimes not afraid to rattle a few cages. Well, I think that then is the area where Hockley could improve because I heard him on the radio a couple you of just weeks. Said that he was strong, decisive. Oh, no, no, that was Corn saying, do they need to be, you know, he's yeah, not yet a strong, decisive public figure. Well, what, can he improve? Well, I think he could. I mean, last <laughs> week he was being grilled by Jared Waitley about the sandpaper stuff, and he just had the same line over and over again. And Hockley is the master at not getting misquoted. He's very smart. He knows if he's, anything he says that could just be a little one way or the other will get quoted. Do you know, that's actually an easy way to misquote people if you're too vague. If you're going to be strong and decisive on your opinion, that's harder to misquote. Well, he was strong and decisive. You see, but just you just said saying, he said not he. Sort no, of but he kept saying the same line over and over again, um, which to me shows discipline. And he wasn't going to get caught out. Um, but you know, as you said, do you want someone then that'll just go on the front foot and say, "Jared, shut up"? You never. You know who never improved as a media performer was James Sutherland. That when he when they sacked mm. Steve Waugh from One Day <laughs> Captain, there was a press conference that he did with Steve Waugh alongside him. And he was like he was at a, a funeral. He was so nervous and halting. And then 15 years later when they had the sandpaper thing, you could have done a split screen. It was the same. It really was, It was the yeah. same. They, I think he did a good job in a lot of other ways. But, gosh, you would have thought a bit of, um, you know, a bit of media training. gumption. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you want to defend Don Bradman before we move on. Just a minor point that, that Malcolm Conn made there where he said that um, um, talking about Earl Eddings, how he's saying that he's got to um, not go around as a second time as chairman. He, Chairman of the board. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I thought I was talking about the um, the siren in the background. Um, That's Earl Eddings' warning signs. <laughs> That's like carving toad. <laughs> and he said that I'll be out soon, Camry. He said that um, that his, as he attempts something, this is Eddings, that not even Bradman managed a second term as board chairman. And I'd just like to point out that Bradman was chairman twice, 1960 to 1963 and 1969 to 1972, albeit not consecutive and albeit probably not a very relevant point, but I just I reflexively defend on Bradman. Good point. Good point. Um, Malcolm Conn, in his article in the City Morning Herald, also made a good point about Marnus Labuschagne, saying that basically he should be channeled into state and national leadership positions um, because he's a great player and he's a, he's a candidate for the captaincy. In the grand tradition of Australian cricket, he is the next captain. If we're going to follow what we've done for the last 40 years, it's always kind of been that the best batsman is the sort of anointed successor. Um, and obviously, Steve Smith's situation throws a bit of a, a curveball into it. But if you look back, Border, then um, Steve or uh, Taylor threw a curveball into, curve into it as well. There's more exceptions than, than not. He was very good when he was batting <laughs> no, it. Ponting, Clark, 
Steve Smith all the way through. Labuschagne is the sort of next in that in that line. But as Con said, he, he does need to change his image of um, what did Con call him? It looks like a bit like a, a Labrador puppy. I dis- I disagree that he has to change his image, and I think I, I get sick of us telling sports people to change and getting we get annoyed when they're a little bit different, or we get. You know, why don't you fit in this box? Well, because they're people. Why We don't need anyone to change. I agree, but I think that if he... Um, I like Labradors. If I was his manager and I wanted to try to get him to become captain, I'd be getting him to do some interviews where he sort of comes across with some more gravitas and more than just naked enthusiasm. More maturity cricket, as well, I which, think. Which, I agree with you, we shouldn't have to do that, but I'm sort of saying from a pragmatic point of view, maybe yes. that's, you know... I, I think the whole thing of who's the next captain... I've always said it's vastly overstated. I'd be happy that it, they do it like in junior cricket. Every, everyone has a go each test match, and I don't think our results would be any different, but I know I'm in the minority on that. All right, the next cricket headline. Well, reports have emerged that Justin Langer's end-of-season review did not go so well, and and this was a an anonymous review conducted by Cricket Australia where someone interviewed all the players about um, the summer and – there was some feeling that Justin Langer was a little bit too intense. I totally disagree with this, but um, it, it certainly put Langer in the spotlight. I know your point, but I, I think that one of the points that made me concerned was when, in the documentary, uh, when Finch was out in the UAE, didn't challenge, came back in, and by the time he'd come back in, the technology had shown that he should have challenged because he'd been given out incorrectly. But on the field, he had no way of knowing. He didn't know that he was not out. And Langer was absolutely into him and fuming that, why didn't you challenge that? And I thought that was the, you know, that's the perfect example of, you know, uh, looking in, in rose-coloured glasses through, you know, using hindsight. Um, if that's the level of pressure that the players are under because he's so wound up, I, I can see that after a while that would get you down. You've, you've got high standards. You, you're going to do the best you can. You don't need to be sort of thinking, oh, God, I hope I don't drop a catch today because I'm going to get an absolute rocket. I'm not, you know. Um, I think the you, you couldn't have expected the review to go very well after mm. those articles leaked about, um, you know, that senior players were unhappy. Yeah, looking for someone to blame when they lost. Yeah. Well, regardless, though, you don't have control over your team if those things are leaking. Mm. So I think if uh, whether, you, whether you agree that they were right or wrong, men, is the fact that it leaked is not a good reflection of the coach. And then that for subsequent, you know, text messages went around saying, you know, we were disappointed or something. Um, like, like I think he had text the players. Yeah, he'd saying be in the group dis- chat, I think he put in that he was disappointed. I mean, the review's never going to be real good if that kind of stuff's going on. Yeah. I, I think the broader point is, though, that being a, a, an international cricket coach, especially for Australia, is a very taxing job. It's a lot of pressure. And, you know, we've seen with Darren Lehman, he probably stayed on a little bit too long. Perhaps, you know, Australian cricket doesn't want to make the same mistake with Justin Langer. Yeah. You know, four years at the job might be enough. You get the best out of him, then you bring someone else in. I agree. And looking back on it, I think Bob Simpson stayed on too long. Um, I think John Buchanan stayed on um, too long. Nielsen stayed on too long. And definitely Lehman stayed on too long. So I think that if you've got someone who is absolutely once in a generation doing a phenomenal job, keep them longer. I think Justin Lang has done a lot of good things, but I wouldn't put him in that category. So I'd be content for when his term ends for someone else to, to get a gig. 
But I think he was the right person at the time. And I, I, on the whole, I think he's going to get a, a, a good pass mark for what he's done. I agree. Team JL all the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to disagree with that. I think he's done overall a pretty good job to pull them out from where they were. Yeah, I think the players were just disappointed they lost to India and they just, you know, were looking for fingers to point. Or but regardless to point of that, even if that's, get, but if that's getting out, that's still not mm. a good thing. That's not a reflection on JL, though. That's a reflection on the little baby players that can't take a loss oh, on good. the chin. I look forward to having them on this show. Clearly we're <laughs> flushed <laughs> with guests at the moment, guys. You'd have to say it's more of a reflection on JL than it is on, I don't know, Gough Whitlam. Well, that's for sure. It's more a reflection on JL than Gough Whitlam. I'll, I'll, I'll concede that point, Paul. Jeez. All right. The next cricket headline. Well, so before we get to that, you put up a poll about oh, yeah. who will be our next test captain. I voted in the poll. I'm Thank not, you. I'm not going to tell you who I no, voted so it's, That's, that's your, your prerogative. That's the poll. That's the poll. Um, so who were the candidates for the next captain? I put oh, up, you voted as well. I, I voted too, yeah. Uh, the candidates were Marnus Labashain. Pat Cummins, Steve Smith, or other, and I asked for a please reply with who. Now, if the public is any example, then it's a very divided situation because we've got almost a three-way tie. Um, Steve, uh, sorry, Pat Cummins has won on thirty-six percent of the vote. Steve Smith second on thirty-three percent. Labuschagne third on twenty-nine percent, and other was about 2%. One of the others was um, someone saying Nathan Lyon, which I wasn't sure whether it was a joke or not. And, <laughs> um, Definitely a joke. Not, 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 no casting aspersions on Nathan Lyon. I just don't think it's likely. No, because he could be out of the team soon. And my friend Patrick, um, who replied with Greg Ritchie via a walkie-talkie, which I think was a very sensible suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that shows how close the race is. Well, it just shows that there's no um, obvious choice, isn't there? Like there's no obvious leader to emerge Maybe in a year or two that will change, but you're right at the moment that all three of them have pros and cons. If I had to put money on it at this stage, I, I'm starting to think maybe Labuschagne might get it. Mm, yeah, I, I think maybe Payne might want to stay around a couple of years and by then... I think it'll be all about timing. If, mm. if it was tomorrow, it'll be Pat Cummins, maybe in two years, Labuschagne. Jim Maxwell made an interesting point at a talk recently that often the Australian captain is, is an unexpected pick and you only have to go through you know the last few. I mean... Tim Payne was unexpected. Steve Smith was unexpected. Brad Haddon was in line to mm. take over from Michael Clark, but Haddon said, no, I think we should get Smith in there. So it could come from the shadows, definitely. And well, you grow into the job as well. Mm. Who can you think of from Maybe the I shadows? I wish I could get the job. Um, all right. <laughs> who, who can you think of that could be from the shadows? Well, Marcus Labuschagne. I, mean, well, I don't know if he's from the shadows. He is, though. though, when you think about it. He's done no captaincy at a state level. He's not seen as a leader. It's only now people are starting to talk about him as a potential skipper. I can see people from the shadows for the captain after this one, but I think that for, for the next captaincy, I think... Labuschagne, Cummins and Smith are the three most likely ones. Looking further, if you know Cameron Green or Will Pukowski, but that's... Cameron it, Bancroft. That, no. <laughs> that's, that's years down the track. Dan <laughs> that'd be a dark horse. Dan Christian, that'd be a dark I horse. I tell you what, Cameron Bancroft, that would be paying a lot on me. <laughs> big good, odd for, good odds for that. Uh, the next cricket headline, Marcus Harris and Peter Siddle are lighting up the county championship scene. Scene? Get that out right. Marcus Harris made 185 for Leicestershire against Northamptonshire. They were set 378 to win. And it was a superb innings from Harris. His team needed over 300 on the final day and a, a great effort for him. And you know, 
this is why county cricket's valuable to the development of our players because if you can chase down 300-plus and make, play a match-winning innings, even against slightly substandard opposition compared to, say, shield cricket, it's still really good for your development. Absolutely, and I'm not even so sure that it is that substandard. I think that um, I think that we malign, we disparage the quality of county cricket a bit, but I think it's actually better than we think. Oh no, no, it's actually really good. I've been, as you both know, I've been watching a lot of it over the last few weeks, and the standard's good, but it's certainly a little bit below Shield cricket, just a little bit, not much, but a little bit. Okay, um, and then the other Aussie I mentioned, Peter Siddle. Just keeps doing it. Three for 29 and three for 47 in Essex's victory, and that's taking them to the top of their conference. So Siddle still doing it. So, um, Paul, did you want to just have a quick chat about the England-New Zealand series? Just that it's going to be a lot of fun, I think, with the quality of bowling on, on offer. That Some of the bowlers in England have got a lot to choose from, but if they pick Craig Overton, he's taken 36 wickets this season at an average of 12.9. Ollie Robinson, 29 wickets at 14.7, and Broad, 19 wickets at 16.3. You'd say that must mean the pitchers have been in favour of the bowlers, but just looking at the career averages, this is the first-class averages of of pretty much everyone who's going to be on show, um, with the exception of, of Jacob Duffy and Doug Brace, for whether they get a game or not, everyone else uh, across both sides with of, of the SEMA variety is in the mid-20s or lower. So given that it's been a very difficult place to bat in the last few years with the ball wobbling around, um, unless Lords produces a really flat track, I'd say that this could be the type of test match where... Uh, a seventy could be could be a match winning score, and I love watching those sorts of those sorts of games. So, yeah, I really can't wait. I'm excited. Yeah, it's just a bit of taste of Test cricket again. Can't wait, Paul. I'm really surprised you haven't been um, enthused by this stat we could get in the next Test match with James Anderson six wickets away from a thousand wickets. I mean, it just so rarely happens in modern cricket, and may never happen again for a fast bowler. Uh, a thousand wickets, that's quite an achievement in first-class cricket. Yeah, I mean, it, it is, but um, I'm just always about averages rather than aggregates. That's why, um, and you know, you don't know that I haven't been on other forums talking about it with nothing else than this. But I'm <laughs> Yeah, he talks to other people than you, Menace. <laughs> then on the podcast. Actually, we've been texting about it quite a lot. Good yeah, for you too. Every time, every time he takes a wicket, Jaleesa and I text each other. It's getting closer. It's yeah. getting closer. Yeah. <laughs> well, two hundred and fifteen, two hundred and fifteen men have reached the thousand wicket milestone. Only thirteen have done it this century. You know, there is a real possibility with the growth of white ball cricket that it will never happen again. I, I, when you said that, I thought that's a challenge. And the first person I thought of was Stuart Broad. So he's taken eight hundred and thirty, and he's four years younger than Anderson. So he's, he's definitely a candidate. There's candidates, but uh, uh, yeah, anyway, of course, keep an eye out for of that. Of course it will happen again. I thought you'd be excited about the 1,000 wickets. Oh, I'm well, sorry. What did Rhodes take? 4,000 wickets or something? Wilfred Rhodes. Um, 4,000 first-class wickets plus. And, um, and he batted at number 11 when he began and finished as an opener. Mm, wow. Jaleesa probably thinks we saw him play, but we didn't. <laughs> I don't think Jaleesa's heard of him. <laughs> I have no idea. I literally have no idea who you're talking about right now. All right, that's the Cricket Headlines brought to you by Piccolo Podcasts. We're going to take our one and only break this episode, then we'll be back with Can't Let It Go. And also, I've just got some figures here or some ladders I want to look at about the current state of the world rankings. I know you will love that. I do love that. 
Just before we get there, I want to remind you of a few things. Go and find us on social media. We've also got a YouTube channel. Go and search Cricket Unfiltered. We'll be putting this whole episode up on YouTube. So if, you, if you've got this far and you think, oh, I want to listen to it again. I want to see what they look like. I want to see what they yeah. look like. I should have put this at the beginning of the show. Like, we're going to put this up on YouTube if you want to watch it. But if you want to watch the end on no, YouTube. No, that gets more views, doing it again. Yeah, go and do it again. Um, but, uh, yeah, go to our YouTube channel. We're also on Patreon. Um, we've got special episodes there. I've released interviews with uh, Shane Watson, Greg Chappell, Lisa Stalaker, and I've got two more to come already ready to go, Robert Craddock and Megan Shoot. So they'll be out in the next couple of months. And, Paul, you've done some history specials. And I've got an, another one almost ready to go. I've spent the last few days just ensconced with Bill O'Reilly in his career, and it's taken longer because there's just so much great information out there. But I think when I eventually do it, it'll be, it'll be fun to listen to. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned for that one. If you have been looking out for it, it's just a few days late. Manners, did anyone review us this week? No one reviewed us this week. What? That last week's review... Um, still stings, by the way, still uh, yeah. stings. But thank you very much to all the Patreon subscribers and we had a new one over the weekend, so we really appreciate it. And also go and subscribe to Cricket Daily right now. And you're back with Cricket Unfiltered. I'm Menas, Paul and Jaleesa are here and... I thought before we got into Can't Let It Go, I just wanted to have a look at the team rankings because oh. I was listening to a podcast today and they said New Zealand was the top test team in the world. But it's wrong, Adam Collins, I'm afraid, because uh, I checked the rankings and India is the number one test team in the world. New Zealand the second, England the third, Australia fourth. I mean, Langer should be sacked for that. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, it's such a hard thing to do. To I mean, tennis rankings work because they're playing all the time. Yeah. And these, I mean, New Zealand, fair play to them, they're number two, and because they've they've built that on a home record because they aren't all that uh, beloved by other teams. You know, they're not invited to play that many games away. But um, the fact that New Zealand, having been absolutely obliterated by Australia... But, but don't, sorry to cut you off, but don't you think if you look, and I think if you looked at New Zealand's, results overseas, they've actually been more consistent than Australia. Like They steal the odd result overseas. Australia really struggles in foreign conditions. No, I, think I might be a salty Australian, but t- rankings mean nothing to me because I, I agree with Paul. Like it, It's just, it, it all works out on who you play and where it, and like sometimes you're playing easier teams. I, I just... No, they they take that into account. I, I think the rankings are about as good as they as they can be. Probably as they can be, but I don't think that they are. But they accurate. it's because of this strange situation where New Zealand has played a lot of games at home, and that's um that's the problem. I think that if Australia was playing New Zealand, um in the World Test Championship final at Southampton, Australia would start as very short favourites. Well, which of those three teams above us is Australia better than? So India's better than us. I actually believe that the ranking, like I don't put much weight on rankings. I okay. think they're a load of BS, but I actually think this order is correct. Yep. Great. So I'm not, I don't think it's far off. I think that India is the best side in the world. I think that England and Australia are very similar. And I think that New Zealand um, are substantially worse than all of them. Um, and really? Yeah, um, normally it's me offending our foreign no, listeners, I mean, but I'm glad someone else is doing it for I'm a change. I'm sure that... That lots of people in New Zealand are nodding, you know, grudgingly nodding that they're a they're a, they're a decent side, but um, if they you know they they got obliterated in Australia. If Australia went to New Zealand tomorrow and played a Test series, Australia would start favourite. Maybe, but I still think would New Zealand end? would win with a win though. Well, they did 
they did last time they were there, um, and probably the time before that. I can't remember when last New Zealand did beat Australia. All right, so that's the test rankings. Now the 50-over rankings, the ODI team rankings. We have New Zealand at the top, Australia second, India third, the world champions, England fourth, South Africa fifth, Pakistan sixth. That's enough. Now, well, the, England have got no chance of defending their title. No, I think <laughs> England, they're way up there. You think England should be higher? No, no, no. I think their fourth is generous. Yeah, good. Thank you. Well, I think if Jaleesa doesn't rate the um, the quality of the test rankings, I can't wait till we get to the the T twenty rankings. <laughs> <laughs> I don't rank. I don't rate any rankings. I this think is amazing right. for New Zealand. Number two in test matches, number one in fifty overs, and then number New Zealand are number three in the T twenty rankings. India second. England on top, Australia are languishing in fifth. I mean, Australia's rankings fourth, second, fifth. Um, All right, the test bowling rankings. Pat Cummins, number one, hard to argue. Ravi Ashwin, number two. Neil Wagner, now there's a dark horse, number three. James Anderson, number four. Josh Hazelwood, five. Southie, six. Broad, seven. Holder, eight. Rabada, nine. Mitch Stark, tenth. If you're wondering, Nathan Lyon is 19th. And then the final one, the test batting rankings. Now, as a kid, I used to always, you know, think about who was the best batsman in the world at that time. And it was all every, you know, almost every day, you'd think, who's the best batsman in the world today? Well, at the moment, it's Kane Williamson. I, on the podcast about 18 months ago, no, said not. Kane Williamson's overrated and Julissa agreed with me and we nodded. And I think I've gone and disagreed with myself now. I am actually starting to... To come round to the Kane as number one in the world. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean, I think that of all the rankings, the ones that I trust the most are the batting individual rankings. The Kohli at fifth. Yeah, so I'm, Virat Kohli is fifth. Okay, Joe Rishabh Pant. No, Rishabh Pant just won two Test series at six. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. He should be up higher. Okay, yep. So you'd have Pant You're above You're arguing Root. with me on a way point. No, no, no. It's <laughs> the way you expressed it again. Um, so Pant would go above Root. You'd have him like fourth. So you've got Steve Smith number two, Manus Labuschagne number three, David Warner's at ninth. I'm surprised at that because he had a pretty no, you so know, up and down couple of years. My number one would be Coley. Okay, yep. Good for the Indian fans. And then I actually would put Pant up maybe number two. Okay. And then Steve Smith, and then Marnus, and then Joe Root. Yeah. What about you, Paul? Um, oh, I think I'm happy with them as they are. As I said, I trust these ones. Um, and I do trust the team ones uh, more most of the time. It's just that New Zealand's schedule is a bit, a bit strange because I should preface or say that I've actually commissioned someone on Fiverr, and I, they haven't got back to me yet, so whether they can do it or not, to make an animation because they've backdated the test rankings all the way back to 1952 for the teams. Before that, it didn't make sense because there weren't enough teams playing to sort of get it. But I've gone back and got every month's data for, for the 70 years. And you know those graphs where they, they, they sort of live animations, they jump up and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got someone... Oh, I can't what do What the that. hell is Fiverr? An, an, an online marketplace for getting creative work done. Oh, yeah. really? So this bloke in Mexico is doing it for me, but he hasn't done it yet. Um, but if he does, <laughs> I'm going to release it on the Cricket Unfiltered uh, YouTube channel and it's going to be amazing. So... I'm, I'm hoping that he comes through. Can I subcontract my scripts each day? <laughs> you probably could. <laughs> yeah. I need to Definitely. go on Fiverr. 
All right. Uh, just eat with those batting rankings, you know, for an Australian perspective, you've got Smith, Labuschagne, Warner in the top 10. Then there's basically no one. Like Travis Head's 24th. He's basically not even in the team at the moment. So yeah. it just shows. Who's the next one after Warner? Um, Travis Head, 24th. Oh, that is the next yeah, one. Yeah, the next oh, Aussie. Gosh. So we really need a couple we more players to start to, you know, just push their way up into the rankings and obviously perform well at Test Cricket. All right, now let's end with Can't Let It Go, that little bit of cricket news you just can't let go of. Jaleesa, what have you got for us? Um, I just want to say uh, Mega should an- announce her wife's pregnancy. Congratulations. It is, it is fantastic news. Her wife, Jess, is pregnant. They've been through reciprocal IVF. Um, so it's a really, yeah. uh, you know, it's a tough experience and uh, thrilling news for Megan Shute. I interviewed her today for the Men's Masterclass, which is going to be released soon. And she was fantastic and uh, congratulations that, to her that's really and nice. her wife. She's ca- she campaigned hard for same-sex marriage and um, she deserves all the good things she gets. Many congratulations. Yeah. My can't let it go is that, um, you know, the Afghanistan Cricket Board have sacked their skipper. Ashgar Afghan, and they released a press release, and it said, we've decided that some of the decisions you made in the first test resulted in us losing. So basically they've basically written a press release saying, you you know, you weren't a good captain. Um, So they've sacked him and they're looking for a new skipper. But I just thought that was like um, a weird way of saying it, that, oh, we've, you know, we've looked at some of the decisions you made and they didn't work out, so we're letting you go. (laughs) Paul, what's your can't let it go? Uh, just while I've been looking, researching Bill O'Reilly, I came across a Don Bradman game that I'd never heard of, and I imagine no one has. It was a grade game uh, in 1931 at Hurstville Oval. Uh, they were getting crowds of about 6,000 to watch him bat in grade cricket back then. And uh, you look at the scorecard, Marrickville batted first and made 109. And St George, who Bradman played for, finished the day. It's a two-day game, seven for 60. And I saw that and I thought, oh, Bradman couldn't have got many. And I looked, there's Bradman batting at number seven and he's on eight, not out. And I thought, what's he batting at number seven for? It transpired he'd had six teeth removed the day before. Um, I think he was preparation of getting false teeth, as people used to do back then. But he had six teeth removed, so he, he batted lower in the order. And I thought, well... I wonder how he went the next week. And the next week's scorecard is just quite incredible. It's a thing of beauty. Um, They've gone from 7 for 60 to 7 for 213, and Bradman's taken his score from 6 not out to 116 not out, absolutely blitzed the bowling to pieces, along with um, his partner Ward, who got 41 not out. So Bradman totally dominated the scoring, won the game, and I just thought it's quite nice that there would have been a massive crowd there watch, to watch it happen, and a game that no one has ever remembered, but even in those sorts of games, um, the great man was um, doing great things. Yeah, Bradman coming in after the Waghorn brothers, the famous Waghorn brothers. Um, all right, well, that's the end of this edition of Cricket Unfiltered. No show next week, so oh, we'll be back in two weeks. Thank God I came today because I didn't know that. Well, I did put it in our group chat, but that's <laughs> all right. You're busy, you know, reporting on stuff. I- <laughs> well, Jaleesa, have a good couple of weeks. Thank you. Paul, you Thank too. You. I'm Thank sad you. I won't see you guys now. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Subscribe to Cricket Daily and you can hear us every day. Oh, I'm okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I will. <laughs> All right, that's it for Cricket Unfiltered. We'll be back in two weeks. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving at your desk. Maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. 
and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it product availability just one part that makes o'reilly stand apart the professional parts people oh 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 o'reilly